By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to The Next Generation. I'm Victoria Cece. Join me as we chat with young Italian wine people shaking up the wine scene. We're going to geek out on a grape or grape fam, then hear about all the wild wine things our guests have been up to, from vineyard experiments to their favorite wine bars. Buongiorno, buonasera. I don't know where you're at, but welcome to another episode of The Next Generation. Today, we have a wonderful guest coming on. I'm very excited to have her, Martina Bartolozzi from Florence, a wonderful culinary tour guide based in Florence. She is half Italian, half American. She's not Italian-American, right? Because she is from Italy. So like the opposite of me, from America, Italian roots. She is from Italy and she has an American mother, I think, an Italian father. Or is it the vice versa? Either way, she'll clarify. We aren't perfect. We are going to talk about all very, very exciting things, uh, wine and food related. Uh, probably talk a little smack about Florence. No, just kidding. I love Florence with all my heart. But everything you love dearly, you also, I don't want to say the word hate, you know, the love-hate relationship thing. But I mean, you always, you have your, your quips. Moving on. So before we get to the lovely interview, we are going to talk about Vernaccia again. I know in a previous episode, I introduced the Vernaccia group of grapes. Uh, so you got a little intro to Vernaccia. Now, Vernaccia exists all over Italy, but there's a very famous Vernaccia that comes from Tuscany. I'm sure you guys are already going, I know, I know, San Gimignano. If you aren't, well, Vernaccia di San Gimignano. It is a wonderful white wine because Vernaccia di San Gimignano is a white grape that is fantastic uh, and there's some amazing producers uh, in the DOCG that I adore uh, one being Montanidoli which is very famous Elisabetta incredible woman who's done incredible things for the history of Italian winemaking but going back to the grape Vernaccia di San Gimignano is a DOCG wine in Italy um, it's also the name of the, the grape uh, specifically it also has the same name as the Ligurian variety Picabon which is a little fun fact. Uh, but going back to its DOCG, it refers to San Gimignano, which is an ancient medieval hilltop town in Tuscany. It's gorgeous. You can go visit it. It's just south of Florence. It's, you know, walls. You have to walk up. You, It's beautiful. I went there with my family once in the wintertime when it was like very calm and chill. And it was just wonderful because in the summer it gets a little crazy. You can imagine a, a wall-enclosed city on a hill in the middle of summer kind of crazy, but go anytime. It's still beautiful. 
regardless, back to the grape. So the wines it produces um, depend kind of on whether they're oaked or unoaked. So, you know, the classic or the regular Vinodato di San Gimignano is often unoaked, which makes wines that are very pale yellow in color with a bit of green um, undertones, tinges, and they're clean and fresh and very citrus driven and earthy, bit of sage, almond. And when it comes to the Reserva versions, you know, we're going to see more hints of like vanilla and a bit of that oak influence, a little more body. Regardless, these wines are always still and dry. Now, if you don't know now, I'll tell you again, all the facts are coming from the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 book, which you can get. It's available now. It's a really sexy book. Honestly, I really like this book. It has all the things you need to know about the fantastic Italian wine grapes. And our best friend, Shenza, did a bit of a little intro somewhere. Love him. Hasn't been in the office lately, which makes it kind of sad for Anyways, um, it's time to bring on our guest, which I'm very excited to have, Martina. Let's get to it. Ciao, Martina. Welcome. Ciao, Victoria. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on The Next Generation. So are you recording from Firenze, from Florence right now? Yes, I am in Florence. It is one of the first warm days of the season and feeling good. I know. It is very, very warm, too, here in Verona. And this weekend, it's like, it's going to be, I, I have to go to Rome this weekend, and it's going to be 22 degrees. Nice, nice. Beware of the shoes that you wear, because I just, like, went down to grab a thing from the laundromat and I made the mistake of wearing Birkenstocks with no socks and a Florentine woman was like oh, what are you wearing I am so happy that you said that because if there's anything I learned from living in Florence is like how structured dressing is in that city and it's dictated by the Florentine women like in the elderly Florentine yes. women and their scowls could kill like you <laughs> Yes, and the worst thing is that she, I think she had mistaken me, I mean, mistaken me for an, for an American, I am half American, but she commented on my shoes to her buddy, thinking that I couldn't hear and understand. That's the worst. Ooh, it was a good one. That all, that happens to me often. No, I, I had the pleasure of, of answering her. <laughs> what did you say? She was like, she said to her friend, Ah, guarda questa, con lo zoccolo e senza calzino, nemmeno facesse tutto questo caldo. Which in English is, <laughs> oh, look at this girl. She's wearing these slippers and no sock. It's not even that warm. And I was like, well, actually, I am kind of warm. And so... <laughs> You're like, it's warm. They're also not slippers. They're Birkenstocks. <laughs> Get your facts straight. <laughs> You're like, I'm not wearing these in my house to make pasta, lady. I'm literally just... Oh, no. I, I don't know whoever's listening to this, but, like, that is, like, one of the funniest things. Like, everyone thinks Florence, Renaissance, art, all this stuff. I just think of, first of all, how well-dressed these... Florentine women are and actually not to like totally get more off topic but when I was last in Florence I was having aperitivo with a friend out on um Tornaboni and out of nowhere these two like elderly Florentine women like approached me and I like, got a little scared I was like oh god am I doing something wrong like I'm just I'm just trying to sip like a rosé in the streets guys and so they come up and they're like we love your jacket. Where did you get it? And I literally oh. just, like, froze and I was like, this is the best moment of my life. I've never had a Florentine woman compliment me before. 
brava brava right I was like I was just I couldn't even believe it I was like usually you're you're looking at me because I'm doing something wrong I don't know what it is you know my scarf is too light for the season I don't know <laughs> but yeah that was a great moment um for everyone to know and, and Martina can share Florentines dress very seasonally and they don't care if it's 80 degrees in April they will wear springtime clothes yes and they will hold to it no shorts Never. Yes. I can't wait for athleisure to make its way over. Do you think it will ever make its way over? I hope. I hope. One can hope. <laughs> I know. I hope, but I can't I can't imagine it. We will be the trailblazers. But um, anyway, sorry. Here we are, like, talking about fashion. We just had 10 minutes briefing, like, food and wine. <laughs> I know. But it's so important. I mean, you can't talk about Florence without the fashion. Then the food comes in. You have to look fashionable why you sip your Negroni, like you can't, you just can't, I mean, would you agree that fortunately, unfortunately, like you kind of have to look good when you're drinking things in Florence? It's just kind of the vibe. I mean, it depends, you know, there's the uh, Lungarni vibe, then there's the Sant'Ambrogio, Sanfrediano vibe. There's all sorts of vibe. It depends on each individual, I think, and on what is your own personal vibe. Interesting. So could you give us an example, kind of like those funny Instagram graphics we see now where they make drinks out of people or whatnot, like the personalities. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen those yet. Oh, I'll send them. I'll send them to you. They're great. There's these like graphic artists that like will, like personify like a Negroni and it's like they'll write little things about like the personality. So, but anyways, could you give us maybe an example of, yeah. Yeah. So um, I can give you two examples from my own life, from when I'm feeling different vibes. So, for example, at the time of the recording, yesterday was uh, uh, International Women's Day, and I was part of a corteo, a manifestazione, uh, protest that went on in Centro, and it ended in Piazza Santo Spirito, and there was dancing and singing in the street, and uh, the vibe drink-wise there was, uh, uh, let's go to the little mini-mart, grab a cold beer, and just enjoy sitting on the steps or just hanging out and dancing in the middle of the street and everyone was very relaxed then there are other times instead say like i'm on uh, via tornabuoni and uh, i decide to go to procacci get a little bubbly get a little panino al tartufo then i will be in a different vibe a different mood and a different uh, setting compared to last night's and they're both valid, of course. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a it, right. It's like a city life. I think like sometimes everyone gets caught up in this, um, almost like you know Italian bubble in the sense that they think like, oh, you do it one way, or there's like only like you know one way to do certain things. Whereas like you know there's all different ways to do different things in different neighborhoods, and like, and also we're humans. Like we don't always feel the same. You know, I mean, I'm sure some Florentine ladies would, older ladies would disagree with us on that. But Florence is still a, a modern new city, which I'm, I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts on that, because that was something that always I love most about Florence was I felt like there's so much to it that a lot of people don't see because they're caught up in a lot. And, and for I mean, if you don't have the knowledge, of course, like going to Florence for the first time, you think Renaissance and whatnot. But still, like there's like a really cool, like underground like art scene, food, all the cool things, right? I mean, that's how it felt for me when I was living there very briefly. Yes, totally. But tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words. You uh, you lead tours. Your stepfather is Dario Cecchini, first of all. 
not to jump into that. Your and your Instagram is awesome. So yeah, you're a cool chick. And tell everyone how cool of a chick you are because I think so. <laughs> well, that's how I start off all the times that I introduce myself. I say, "Well, I am a cool chick," and you gotta hear this. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> so my name is Martina Bartolozzi, and I'm uh, 29 years old. I was born and raised here in Tuscany, specifically in the Mugello area by a Florentine father and an American mother. And so I got my dad's gesticulation and then my mom's slightly American accent every once in a while. And I currently lead food tours all over Italy with Curata Travel, who's an American tour operator based in Pennsylvania. And uh, we go to all the unconventional, off the beaten path little towns that uh, most tours don't go to in just about every region except very few yet. And I also create custom travel maps to help people that are coming to Italy to figure out what they want to do, how they want to spend their money, how they want to spend their calories, how they want to spend their time. And I send them a little form that they can fill out and then I make them a custom map based on their own personal preference and their style. That's First of all, you live the dream life. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, wait, so when did you start doing, well, how did you you know, fall in love with the culinary world and start doing tours? So I've always been in the culinary world because just about every person in my family is in the food industry in one way or another. And if they're not directly in the industry, they are very passionate foodies. And uh, um, my stepfather is Dario Cecchini, who is a very, very well-known butcher from a town called Panzano in Chianti, halfway between Siena and Florence. And one of my first jobs when I was still in high school was working at one of his restaurants, flipping burgers, waiting tables, getting that pocket money to go in my own business. And so when I started university, then I moved on to the offices and I would take care of his social media, which I still do, his PR, help plan his trips abroad. Then I would also travel with him and we would go and do catering events and butchering demonstrations. Then the last two years that I worked at his uh, establishments, I was like, hold on. So people come from all over the world to stage with Dario to learn how to carve meat. I talk about meat all day long, but I've never actually done it myself and I felt like a fraud and I wanted to learn and so I asked him if I could start learning how to carve meat and he said yes but I still need you to do all the other stuff that you do and so I would go into work two hours early every morning carve meat don a chain mail apron chain mail glove all the fleeces all the beanies all the all the neck warmers because it's cold where we do the butchering and then at 10 a.m I would take all that stuff off put on my nice shoes, put on my nice shirt and go on to the office. And it was such an extraordinary experience, you know, quote unquote, getting my hands dirty because it gave me a true appreciation of the raw material in its rawest, purest form. And it made me understand that for me, 
really knowing where my food comes from, really knowing how this dish that I'm eating came to be, all of the different components that are on it, what is their story, who processed them, how were they made, how can they be made better. I think that that is just absolutely fascinating. And so it's something that I'm very curious about in general. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. Absolutely. And I, I love that you bring that up because like that with the wine industry, that's the same thing I, I, I experienced was I was doing sales in New York and I always wanted to do a harvest. And I felt like I would meet so many people in the industry that were so far removed from the actual production of wine, like the way that they would talk about it. I'm like, have you ever cool. spent time in a winery? And I felt like the only way for me to even like begin evolving a a reliable, you know, knowledge set for myself, you know, not even if I went to sales again, was to go and do a harvest. And I went in for three and a half months and it changed my entire perspective on, on wine. Yes. And I actually did, I did harvest in Panzano. So, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't eat at the restaurants when I was there. Cause I was busy, of course, <laughs> but I did go to the food truck for lunch a couple of times, which was really wonderful. So beautiful. Yes. You have to come back and we'll do a photo shoot. It's so casual. Like you're, you're in the, um, what is it uh, called? The Conca de Oro, the, the, that it's beautiful. And then you're just like getting a beer. And then like, it's so funny when you're with a bunch of the winery workers, cause like everyone knows Dario Cecchini, but you're just sitting there like eating a sandwich at the food truck and you're like covered in dirt. And you're like, Hmm, this is what people don't think about. That'd be a great ad for him. Do that. <laughs> uh, so you're a butcher. Like, yes, I'm a trained butcher. Uh, well, tra- I'm a trained butcher and now I do something else. Now I lead the food tours. But yes, I'm a trained butcher at heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> butcher, always a butcher. Okay, Dexter. That's like... <laughs> 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 oh my God, I love it. Oh, that's super cool. So you do the tours now. And um, so what's like your favorite part about leading tours, like from butcher to tour leader? Ooh, well. Connected to this, one of the things is helping people understand the behind the scenes of food because all of our food tours, the main point is going to visit where food is created, where food is processed. So food and drink, of course. And so we go visit wineries, we go visit breweries, we go visit butcher shops, we go visit um, even fishermen with an upcoming tour, um, uh, creameries all sorts of things. And we take behind the scenes tours and hands-on workshops and experiences to learn how things are produced. So that one of my favorite things then is helping people understand their food and why it's so special and why Italian food is so special and seeing it with their eyes. And also one of the things that I love is taking people to totally undiscovered places. In June, I have a tour that is almost sold out. There is literally one spot left that I am so excited about. I feel like it's the culmination of my life so far, of uh, all the places, of 
all the people that I've met and of all the delicious food that I've had. And I'm taking people on a tour of Bolgeri. So that's some pretty good wine there. Then Talamone, which is in the province of Grosseto, and then Inland Marimma. And I think your, your listeners are going to really appreciate this one because we are going to Inland Marimma to this tiny town of 150 inhabitants, lost, long lost, away from everything, hard to reach, that is, though, Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, with delicious food and a very rich winemaking history, specifically homemade wine. This town is called San Giovanni delle Conte, and it's built in the Tufo area. I don't know if you've ever heard about the Città del Tufo, Pitigliano, Sorano, Sovana. Yeah, no, I've heard of it. Okay, and so it's right around there. And uh, all the houses are built on the rocks. And what people have done throughout the years, who knows how many, is that they have dug caves in the rock underneath their homes. And in these caves with no electricity, no running water, just absolutely nothing, no pavementation, they make wine. They make wine for personal consumption, as they have been doing for decades in their families. And these uh, three young men that are in one way or another related to the town, they have started a homemade wine festival to help this town stay on the map. Because what is happening is that because it's so far from everything and because communication and infrastructure is lacking, people are uh, leaving it. They're abandoning it, as is happening, unfortunately, with many beautiful small villages in Italy. And so to put it back on the map, and to help keep it alive, to help people understand this rich history of personal homemade winemaking, they've created a festival, a homemade wine festival called Disfida delle Conte. This year will be the fourth edition, and I'm taking a group there when I'm on one of my food tours, and they will be the very first Americans to participate in this uh, competition and what it is is that all of the people of town they bring bottles of their homemade wine which are then uh, well they're all wrapped in tinfoil a number is sharpened on the outside so no one can know what is what and they uh, and the three young men of the town they invite 12 judges from all over Italy including uh, sommeliers wine producers, wine importers, food journalists. Like the head of the jury is Leonardo Romanelli of Gambero Rosso. I don't know oh, if you've ever yeah. heard of well, Wow. Yeah. So it's like, it's serious business at the same time. It's- yeah, it's very serious business. We only do serious business. We don't oh, have to fool around. Okay. So unconventional, but serious. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so what happens is that these 12 judges, uh, I was one of the judges last year, sit down in the middle of the of this village because it's literally only one road on a long table and we sit and there's the spittoons and there's a piece of paper ripped out of a notebook and colored pencils and we sat and judged all the wines 21 reds eight whites and we taste the wines and uh, give them a score out of 100 and in the end they all get tallied up and uh, somebody wins and it's a great great party it's fantastic to taste these wines because some of them are a bit rough let's say (laughs) 
but um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is what it is. This is like a real deal. And I hate to bring up the contentious topic, natural wine, but it is a real deal, like natural wine festival. Like that's what this is. No, does not get any more natural than this. And yeah, I mean, this is wine for personal consumption. If you are like an actual winery with an actual label, you cannot participate, which is why the three young men who organize this, who are from the Cantina del Rospo right there in town, they can't participate anymore because now they're legal. And so they're very sad, but they still plan it. That is so, do you have to like sign? No, this is Italy. Do you actually sign a waiver? If it was America, they make you sign everything away. <laughs> you cannot sue us. <laughs> no, I think it's just, you know, voluntarily, voluntarily. It's like, it's so no one's making you drink it. No one's making you be here. Yeah, no one's making you be here at this table drinking this wine that tastes like salami. No, but there's some extraordinary wines, of course. Oh, I could imagine. That's so that's so special. And honestly, it reminds me of like for me, there's nothing I love more than when I go to any like, you know, family or friend's house and they put like a really like a bottle of wine that's labelless on the table or a few. And it's like from some random, you know, person who makes it for personal consumption. And like anytime you ask questions about the bottle, they just look at you and they're like, just drink it. Like, I, I don't, I don't, do you, I don't know what it's made out of. And you're just like, okay. You're like, and they'll be like, the video's up there. I'm like, oh, we found it. I'm like, all right. Yeah. We, we know where it is. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> it's extraordinary because that's how uh many italians grew up that's how many italians they how they still live you know they just have their homemade wine that they drink at home and uh, people that are traveling through italy usually don't have access to that it's hard to find it's hard to experience that and this wine festival makes it a possibility for them and then of course it's followed by an extraordinary dinner in the street and dancing and last year there was karaoke until 2 a.m and since like this is literally the only thing that goes on in town nobody complains about there being really loud music until 2 a.m in the morning because it's like oh it is the day of the year to party and super fun if anyone wants to go don't make my same mistake and don't like get your stuff together until the very last moment because i had to end i ended up sleeping in the what's it called the canonica della chiesa like the not the rectory anyways like the priest <laughs> accommodation situation and uh yeah that's where i slept last year because the town was just full fully booked there's nowhere else to sleep nowhere else to sit oh my gosh i almost slept in a tent it's it's so funny when those one things happen and if and you don't well you knew about this event of course but like when you don't know about about an event you're trying to go somewhere (laughs) and you're like why is that why is every place booked in this like one small area on this one day and then like that was something that would happen to me where i would go to this town and i'd be like i'm who's coming here and then it's like this huge festival but that's no that's but still that's such a story i mean and it's june 24th by the way june 24th to wrap up the conversation though i'm going to give you some three quick questions for you to answer for the viewers very easy and um it's one of those things where it's like off the top of your head don't think too hard why did i say that you're gonna think hard anyways okay first what is where is your favorite wine bar in florence Mm. second what is your favorite Florentine wine and food pairing? Mm-hmm. And third, which could be the same as the first question, but where do you go to have a good time, aka get lit, in Florence? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see. 
For the wine bars, I have three favorites in three different neighborhoods. One of my very favorite wine bars, which also happens to be woman-led, is Enoteca Bellini by Camilla Bellini in the Santa Maria Novella neighborhood. Then in uh, Sant'Ambrogio neighborhood, I like Alla Sosta dei Papi. And in Santo Spirito, I like Il Santino. Then for the wine and food pairing, you know, I will be the basic person who says Sangiovese, Chianti Classico, and Florentine-style steak. It is in my blood. And the third one, where do I go to hang out? Yes, at these three wine bars, but also I'm really into mixology. And there's a strip in San Frediano, which is like the Bermuda Triangle of cocktail bars, and I love it. Oh, I know exactly where you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Also love Enoteca Bellini. Um, I, was, I just recommended that place actually to someone, so I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> Super cool. Thank you for answering that so concisely. You really are a tour leader. Martina, I wish I could talk to you. There's so much more to chat about. I'm hungry now. But me too. Thanks so much for being on the on the pod with us today. Thanks for having me. And I wish you a day full of all the greatest food, even though you'll already be doing that and wine. <laughs> Thank you. L- likewise, likewise. All right. We'll talk soon. Ciao, Martina. Presto. Ciao. 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 As always, a big grazie for hanging out with me today. Remember, you can catch me every Sunday on the Italian Wine Podcast, available anywhere you can get your pods.